Okay, if you would, take your Bibles, Joshua chapter 15. Joshua chapter number 15. <clears throat> when you find your place there, if you want to mind to stand. Now, we're going to cover tonight the entire chapter of Joshua 15. It's only 63 verses, and so ready to do some jumping jacks and stuff, get ready for that. Uh, no, we won't, we won't read every verse here at the beginning. Um, we'll just hit the high points. Joshua chapter 15, and we'll look in verse number 1. As you know, Joshua is dividing the land by lots. He's finally getting to the tribe of Judah. Been interrupted a couple times. Yep, uh, Caleb came in there and, and uh, made sure that he got what was coming to him. Amen. It's a blessing. We'll talk about that tonight. Uh, but now he's uh, addressing the tribe of Judah. Verse 1, This then was the lot of the tribe of the children of Judah by their families, even to the border of, and there it goes, for 12 verses really just describing the land uh, of Judah that God had given to them. And again, if you remember, this was given by lots, and so, um, you know, John drew a name, we think this is how it went, drew a name, Judah, drew another name, and this is the lot that they were given, and verses 1 through 12 describe the territory there. Now look in verse 13. And unto Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, he gave a part of the children of Judah. Now remember, Caleb, we talked about last time, uh, Caleb is part of the tribe of Judah, and Caleb was already given land from Moses. We'll talk about that tonight, but here it is, actually giving him the land there on Mount Hebron. So, gave a part among the children of Judah, according to the commandment of the Lord to Joshua, even the city of Arba, the father of Anak, which city is Hebron. And Caleb drove thence the three sons of Anak, Shishai and Ahaman and Talmai. Okay, got all that? And the children of Anak. And he went up thence to the inhabitants of Deber, and the name of Deber before was Kirjath Sefer. And Caleb said, He that smiteth Kirjath Sefer and taketh it, to him will I give Aksa, my daughter, to wife. And Othniel, the son of Kenaz, the brother of Caleb, took it, and he gave unto him Aksa, his daughter, to wife. And it came to pass, as she came unto him, this is Aksa coming to her daddy Caleb, that she moved him to ask of her father a field. But listen, Dad, I'm getting married. I want a field too, please. And you know how it is. Daughter and, 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 uh, and dad there. And she lighted off her ass, her donkey. And Caleb said unto her, What wouldest thou? Who answered, Give me a blessing, for thou hast given me a south land. Give me also springs of water. And he gave her the upper springs and the nether springs. And then we continue on uh, with the inheritance in verse 20. And really all the way until uh, verse 62, continue, uh, they list all of the cities of Judah. And so that first 12 verses listed the territory and described the territory. And now it's really a, just a long list of the cities that they were able to inherit. We won't read all of those tonight, but we'll get down to verse 63 at the very end. And as for the Jebusites, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the children of Judah could not drive them out. But the Jebusites dwell with the children of Judah at Jerusalem unto this day. And so presumably the rest of those cities, they, they uh, drove out the Canaanites as they were commanded to do. 
But as they came to Jerusalem, these Jebusites, they could not. Um, we'll talk about that tonight. Um, and it ended up being a bother for them for generations to come. And so the title tonight is this, Don't Neglect the Jebusites. Don't Neglect the Jebusites. Let's pray and we'll get right into it tonight. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Thank you, Lord. Uh, Lord, this um, what can seem at times just uh, laborious and going through names and cities and territories. God, we're thankful that your word is so powerful that even in times... In passages like this, you have a purpose and a plan, and I'm excited to, Lord, explain that tonight, and I pray that you help our hearts to be open, ready to receive your word tonight. We love you. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much for standing. <clears throat> and so again, uh, uh, Joshua is, is getting on the business of, of uh, dividing the land among the tribes. From the beginning of Joshua chapter one, we saw him fight, and he was the soul, he was the the captain. He was leading the armies. He was taking territory after territory. And when we get to about chapter twelve, is when God tells Joshua, "Now it's time to stop your your uh, uh, job as a commander of an army, and now it's time to divide the land." and And he's been trying to get to it for a while now. Uh, he, he was starting to divide the land when Caleb showed up. And last time we talked about that, Caleb was one of the two that, that uh, first spied out the land. When, when Moses first led them to the promised land, it took him a matter of two years, I believe it was, to make it to the promised land. Moses, and he, obviously God using Moses to, to free Israel from, from Egypt and now they're, they're taking them to the promised land, the land that God promised Abraham 400 years ago. They, uh, Moses brought Israel to the brink of the promised land, and really the plan was to go ahead and enter, right? And so Moses sent in the spies. Ten of the spies said, we can't take it. We can't handle this. Uh, the giants that are there. We talked about the giants, and you need God's help to beat the giants. And so today, uh, uh, who was it that lost to the giants today? Somebody did. The, the Washington, yeah, of course, Washington, godless there, Washington, D.C., had no help from God, couldn't take the giants out, the giants wiped them, praise the Lord for that, amen. But anyways, these giants were the Anakim, the Anakites, the, the, the sons of Anak, which we read about today, these giants lived on Mount Hebron, which coincidentally is where the spies went, and I, I believe God led them there and showed them the giants, showed them the, the most scary part, if you will, of Canaan. To, just to see if they would trust him. Because it didn't really matter how difficult it was to enter the land. It was the land God promised for them. And if they were to trust God, then God can take care of the giants. Amen. And God can give them the land flowing with milk and honey. Uh, but the, the ten spies would not, would not accept that. Caleb and Joshua were the other two spies. And Caleb and Joshua said, let's take the land. God can handle the giants. And God wants to give us this land. It's a blessed land. Uh, but uh, sadly, Israel, of course, as we know, uh, sided with the ten spies, decided not to go in the land, and for 38 more years, wandered around in the desert. And that generation passed on the scene, and now Joshua is bringing the next generation in. So whenever they made it there, whenever they, they fought the land, whenever Joshua led Israel in, and they defeated the land, and, and defeated Jericho and Ai, and, and on through all of those uh, <clears throat> cities in, in Canaan. And when it comes time to divide out the land, we saw that, that Joshua gave the two and a half tribes their land. 
that Moses had already promised them. And Joshua is trying to move on and give Judah their land. But Caleb is like, whoa, hold on, Joshua. Remember me? And remember, God promised me that because uh, you and I trusted God, uh, God would bless you and God would allow you to lead in Moses' stead. And God promised me through Moses that I can have this mountain, Mount Hebron. And so Caleb was excited about that. Caleb being, I believe it was, 85 years old, ready to go fight those giants still. Amen? And I hope I'm that spry when I'm 85. And so uh, God gave him the strength, obviously, and they went in and took the land. And so we get to chapter 14, and we divide the land of Judah. And the verse, first again, 12 verses just really describe that land and the, and the territory of the land. And we read in verse number uh, 13 is when uh, Caleb begins to start to take care of business, okay? And so back in chapter 14, uh, uh, Joshua allowed Caleb to have the land, and Caleb said, I'm going to go into that land. I'm going to take out the Canaanites in my land because that was what God uh, told them to do. Do you remember? Because Joshua wasn't able to drive out all the Canaanites, but God didn't call Joshua to take out all the Canaanites. God said, I will, uh, you trust me, and I'll have somebody else take him out. So the plan was, here's the plan. There are still some Canaanites in the land, so Joshua is going to divide the land out. And when they went and possessed the land, before, listen, before they can fully enjoy their inheritance, before Judah can fully um, uh, enjoy the land that has been described in chapter 15, they first need to drive the Canaanites out. Remember, the Canaanites were the ones that were living in the land. The Canaanites were the ones that, that were worshiping false gods and sacrificing their, their children to these gods and, and being involved with all these immoral acts. And God said, before you can uh, take this land and enjoy it, you first need to get rid of the Canaanites. And Caleb was ready to do that. And Caleb had, again, the, the most scary of them. But he didn't care because Caleb knew that if God wanted me to take care of these Canaanites, God can give me the strength to take care of these Canaanites. He didn't care that he was 85. He didn't care that they were giants. He went in there and he took care of business. Verse 13, And, and unto Caleb the son of Jephunneh he gave a part among the children of Judah according to the commandment of the Lord to Joshua, even the city of Arba, the father of Anak, which city is Hebron. This is that mountain that he spied out all those years ago. Verse 14, <coughs> And Caleb drove thence the three sons of Anak, Shishai and Ahaman and Talmai, the children of Anak. These are the giants in the land. These are the ones that Israel was so scared of. And Caleb, 85-year-old Caleb and his family, they get to Mount Hebron and they get right to work. They take care of the giants in the land. They drive the Canaanites out. Verse 15, he didn't stop there. And he went thence to the inhabitants of Deber. And so Caleb's like, all right, made short work of the giants in the land. Let's go ahead and move on to Deber. And uh, Deber, before it was called Deber, was Kirjath Sefer. And so verse 16, Caleb said, He that smiteth Kirjath Sefer and taketh it to him will I give Aksa my daughter to wife. And so uh, Caleb and his family go and take care of the giants as God commanded. But he wasn't satisfied. He wants to get the rest of these Canaanites out of here. And so he says, hey, whoever can, can take out this next city, Deber, uh, Kirjath Sefer, whoever can take care of those guys, I will let that man 
marry my daughter. That's a big deal, amen? Being a father of three daughters, I don't think I'll ever say anything like this. No one is ever allowed to marry my daughters until they're 85, amen? Uh, maybe not. But, and so he said, you can marry my daughter if you take the land. And so Othniel jumps right in. Othniel. Now that's, that name might sound familiar, and I'll tell you why here in just a moment. But Othniel steps up, the, the son of Kenaz, and he goes and takes it. And there's not a whole lot of description. He just goes over there and takes care of it, right? And when they say he takes it, he goes and he destroys the inhabitants of that land, and he possesses Deber. They change the name from uh, Kirjath Sefer to Deber, and it came to pass, verse 18, as she came to him, uh, that she moved him to ask of a father a field. And so uh, Caleb, uh, Othniel goes, he takes care of it, he takes it. Caleb, being true to his word, gives his daughter uh, Aixa to him, and now Aixa says, Daddy, I'm getting married, you know. Uh, I think I can have a, just a little bit more, maybe a wedding present. And so, uh, obviously, Othniel taking Kenaz, I'm, not, I'm sorry, not Kenaz, but Deber, uh, he, he is possessing now, he and his new wife, Deber, and, and uh, uh, his wife asks her daddy for this water spring. Verse 19, give me a blessing, for thou hast given me a south land. Give me also springs of water. And he gave her the upper springs and the nether springs. And so they're just continuing to possess the land, aren't they? This is the plan. This is what God intended, right? God intended for them to do this, to come in, uh, take, care, take possession of the land, and then as they divide it, go in, uh, remove the Canaanites, and then begin to enjoy the land. This is awesome. We've got Caleb and his family, and, and right next door, very false city, and right? Right next door is the son-in-law. Amen. And they're enjoying the land, and they've got the, the springs and the nether springs, and they're enjoying life. And if you were just to stop chapter 15 right there, it looks like Judah's doing great. Judah's doing the plan. Everything's falling in line. And why? Oh, by the way, pause. Why is this all happening? Why is Caleb's family and Othniel's family being blessed this way? It's because they trusted God. It's, they weren't more special. They didn't, Caleb didn't have any kind of special superhero powers. Uh, Caleb just trusted God. Caleb took God at his word. Caleb said, uh, listen to the message of God, which was, I'll give you a possession. You go in there, and when you go in there, I'll take care of it. I'll provide for you. I'll give you the strength to possess the land. I'll give you the strength to drive out the Canaanites. I'll give you the strength to enjoy the inheritance that I've always wanted to give you. And so they're just, they're just believing God. And when you trust God, it's going to be hard at times. There's going to be battles at times. It's not going to be easy sailing and smooth sailing all the time. But what you will see is God's hand of blessing. And God will give you victory, and God will give you the land, and God will allow you to enjoy the inheritance. And he, by the way, God wants to see this. And God is relishing in, in Caleb, and God is relishing in Othniel, and he loves that they are taking possession of the land that God promised them all those years ago. So Othniel, we said, he, he sounded familiar, and the reason is um, <clears throat> Othniel was also, he would go on to be the first judge of Israel. So after Joshua, uh, we get to the book of Judges, right? And, and just a little bit of a sneak peek, we'll get there soon, but uh, Joshua will continue to divide out the land, and uh, again, every tribe is supposed to do what Caleb and and uh, Othniel are doing here and clear out the uh, Canaanites. 
And so Joshua did his part. Joshua fought his fight. He will pass off the scene. And then we get to the book of Judges. And the book of Judges is when everyone's supposed to be doing what they're doing. Sadly, that's not what happens. And a lot of the Canaanites remain in the land. And they give, uh, they give Israel a lot of trouble, and they do just what God said they would do. They start to turn the hearts of Israel, and they start to turn them to serve false gods. And, and what, what will happen immediately in the book of Judges is they'll begin worshiping these false gods, and they'll get themselves into a mess, and they'll be in bondage to these people, Kushan Rishathaim, okay? Uh, this is the king of Mesopotamia. He'll come in, and God will allow the king of Mesopotamia to come and take uh, uh, Israel bondage for eight years. For eight years. Why? Because Israel, there's a lot of Israel that are not doing what Caleb and Othniel are doing. A lot of Israel are allowing the Canaanites to remain there. And those Canaanites turned the hearts of the people and got them into trouble. And so when they find themselves in trouble, they finally realize that their way isn't working. There in the book of Judges, when Israel finally admits to God that they did wrong, they admit to God that they have been living their own way, admit to God that they've been holding on to these Canaanites and not fully following him, they cry out to God, and God rises up a judge. And that first judge is this man, Othniel. And, and the Bible says that the Spirit of the Lord comes upon Othniel, and they go to war, and they defeat the Mesopotamia and the king of Mesopotamia. And the Bible says that under, under Othniel's reign as judge, they had rest for 40 years. That's awesome. For 40 years, they had rest. What a blessing. And so these men, Caleb and Othniel, they are awesome, and they are doing right. They're following the Lord. Now, you know what's coming, because <laughs> it's Israel, sadly. And we get, we get mad at Israel a lot, but, you know, we're the same way. And, and, you know, we, anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. And so, Judah's doing well. If you, if you, if you focus on Caleb and you focus on, Ithne, on Othniel, Judah's doing great. Good job, Judah. All right. <clears throat> and so then for the next... Uh, 40 verses or so, from verses 20 all the way to 62. Again, we're not going to, for sake of time, read through all of these cities. Not because they're not important, but it's just because we don't know about them. But to Israel, these were very important. And as you read through this list of, of over 100 cities, these are cities that are built, that, that, that have been there, and God uh, drove out the Canaanites before them, and now Israel is living in these cities they did not build. And God is letting them live off of the blessing of the land. And so this is a big deal for the Israelites. This is a big deal for, for the tribe of Judah. You know, you might not care about it, but they do. And they're excited about it. Um, and so that's what's happening here for those uh, 40 verses or so. And then we get to the end of the list in verse 63. As for the Jebusites, the inhabitants of Jerusalem the children of Judah could not drive them out. But the Jebusites dwell with the children of Judah at Jerusalem unto this day. And so Judah failed to drive the Jebusites out of Jerusalem. Now pause. You might be saying, Brother Chad, that's not a big deal. I mean, did you see Caleb? He's awesome. Do you see Othniel? He's the man. 
And, and the tribe of Judah might be thinking this way. And did you see that list of more than a hundred cities that we did drive all the inhabitants out of? Okay, so one city is not doing good. It didn't end well. And they allowed, they, they drove out the Canaanites from most of their land, but they, 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 the Bible says they could not drive the Jebusites out. Now pause. Why do you think they could not drive the Jebusites out? It wasn't because God's hand was shortened. God did say, I will be with you, didn't he? And God did say, you will, you will have victory over the land. God did say, if you, listen, if you trust me, if you, if you uh, uh, follow me and surrender to my will here, God said, I will be with you. I will drive out the, the inhabitants of the land before you. And so let's not read this verse and say, oh, poor Judah, they just couldn't do that last one, you know, and they tried hard. They might have tried hard, but here's what they did not do. They did not trust God, and they did not go in and follow the plan of God, because if they had done that, they would be able to. And so the fact that they could not really could be thought of it this way. They would not. They would not trust God. Maybe they saw the Jebusites and they looked too powerful. I don't know what it is. I'm telling you, if Jerusalem was in Caleb's territory, it'd be done. But whoever it was, whatever family was given Jerusalem, they failed to drive out the land. And the Jebusites went on to be a thorn in their flesh for generations to come. <coughs> so, in Judges 1.8, I'm just going to read a few verses in Judges. You can try to keep up if you'd like, uh, but I'm going to go pretty quick through this. Judges 1.8 says this, Now the children of Judah had fought against Jerusalem, and had taken it, and smitten it with the edge of the sword, and set the city on fire. And so years later, Judah did go ahead and take care of the Jebusites. Problem is, by that point, the Jebusites had spilled over into the land of Benjamin. And if you get to Judges 121, it says this, And the children of Benjamin did not drive out the Jebusites that inhabited Jerusalem, but the Jebusites dwell in the children of Benjamin in Jerusalem to this day. And so at this point, Jerusalem had become a city that really... Uh, goes into two territories, kind of like Kansas City, right? You've got Kansas City, Kansas. You've got Kansas City, Missouri. This is where Jerusalem was. It was part, partly in Judah, partly in Benjamin. Judah left them alone, and, and they thrived there. And now they finally went and took care of it. But, but the problem is they, had, they were also in Benjamin. And the Jebusites uh, survived the attack because Benjamin wouldn't do their part here. And so now they're continuing to be a problem, and they continue to be a problem all the way through the entire time of the Judges. All the way in Judges chapter 19 says this, But the man would not tarry that night, but he rose up and departed, and came over against Jebus, which is Jerusalem. So Jerusalem is, is now becoming known as Jebus, because that's where the Jebusites live. They're in Jerusalem, and they're with him, two asses saddled, his concubine also with him. And when they were, cut, when they were by Jebus, the day was far spent, and the servant said unto his master, Come, I pray thee, let us turn into the city of the Jebusites and lodge in it. And the master said unto him, We will not turn aside hither into the city of a stranger that is not the children of Israel. We will pass over to Gibeah. And so by, by Judges 19, they just threw up their hands and said, Jerusalem isn't even part of Israel. It's just the Jebusites' city there. And it was too, uh, it was too dangerous to live in their own inherited city of Jerusalem because they left the Jebusites there and they just continued to be a, an annoyance 
and, and hindered really what God wanted to do uh, in, in Judah. The Jebusites would never fully be driven out of Jerusalem until the reign of King David. Now, King David was also part of the tribe of Judah. Remember that? And Jesus would be from the line of David, and he was the lion of the tribe of Judah. And so David is the one who finally did the job. And you know how many years, I didn't look it up, I should have, between Joshua and, and all of this in chapter 15 and to the years of the reign of King David, that's a long time that they had just hindered what God wanted in the land of Judah. But David finally went in there and took care of the Jebusites. Obviously, they're back in Judah as, as, as David is there in Judah clearing out the area. And it says, after he drove them out, it says in 2 Samuel 5.10, And David went on and grew great, and the Lord of hosts was with him. Finally, the blessing of God was here, and it didn't come. Listen, God, David grew great, and he didn't grow great until after he dealt with the Jebusites. Until after he dealt with the Jebusites. Listen, the tribe of Judah was never able to be all that God intended them to be until they finally went down to Jerusalem and drove out the Jebusites. And aren't you glad they did? Jerusalem ended up being a pretty important city uh, in the land of Israel. And so again, if you, just, if you just read the first part of chapter 15, and really all the way until the last verse, you would say something like this, wow, man, Judah's doing it. They're doing it. They're, they're doing what God says. I mean, just look at Caleb, look at Othniel, and you would be thinking Judah's doing very well. But here's the reality, here's the truth, that no matter how, no matter how much, listen, no matter how much you want to focus on Caleb and Othniel and Hebron and Deber and seeing all that God's doing in that part of Judah, you just can't ignore the fact that there's Jerusalem and there's the Jebusites. And, and, and as hard as, as bad as you want to, to be excited for Judah, every time you think about it, you, in the back of your mind, you're saying, and there's, there's the Jebusites. And, and as bad as God wanted to bless Judah and use Judah, he couldn't to the fullest potential because they failed to deal with the Jebusites. And it's a sad thing. And they were hindered all of those generations. Listen, here's the point tonight. You will never be all that God intends for you to be if you don't deal with the Jebusites. Well, what do you mean? Well, if there's an area of your life, listen, if there's an area of your life that you know God wants you to change, I don't know what that is. It's different for everybody. But God has shown you, hey, you know, I'm glad you're doing this. I'm glad you're faithful to church. I'm glad you're you're faithful to, to maybe be in outreach. I don't know. I don't know everyone's strengths and weaknesses in their in their Christian life. But maybe but maybe you are faithful to come to church. Maybe you are faithful to tithe. Maybe you are faithful to, to tell others. But maybe there's a TV show, or there maybe there's a music that you won't give up, or maybe there's an attitude that you won't drop. Maybe there's some bitterness that you won't let go of. And, and maybe there's maybe there's some anxiety and some and some lack of trust in God. And God is not like you don't know what it is. It's like God has made it very evident to you. No, listen, this part of your life, you need to drive that out. And and God cannot 
fully bless your life, and you will not live the life God intends for you if there is an area of your life that God has clearly pointed out to you, you need to change this, and you say, no, I won't. And oftentimes, here's, here's how we treat God. God says, hey, this, this music that you're listening to, I want it out of your life. And you say, oh, well, I, 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 maybe I will, but, but God, look at what I'm doing over here. Look at Caleb. He's awesome. And you say, look at me. I'm, I'm doing this. I, I'm, I'm telling people about you, Lord. I'm coming to church faithfully. I'm doing this and that. And God is glad for that. And as the pastor, I am glad for that. But that doesn't negate the fact that God says, but you got this over here, and you've got to give it up. And everything that God is doing in your life, that you have, you have seen victory and God's blessing in this part, all of it is tainted by that. I don't know what that is. Maybe it maybe is bitterness. And maybe someone's hurt you in the past. Maybe someone's hurting you right now. And you know what God says about it. And God's been dealing with you. And God's been working you over. You need to forgive him. You need to, you need to let that go. You need to give that to me, God says. God says, cast that care upon me. God says, you need to forgive them. God says, you need to love them. But you say, no, you, I, they've, they've gone too far. I can't, I can't do that. And no one is, no one, I've heard this before out of Christian's mouth. No one's going to treat me that way and not pay for it. And you have that attitude. And, and you won't let it go. And you know God wants you to forgive that person. You know God wants you to let go of the bitterness. But you say, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to focus on this. I'm just going to keep coming to church. I'm just going to keep tithing. And I'm just going to keep doing this or that. But I'm not doing that. And God will bless as you're faithful to church. And God will bless as you're making decisions, as you're maybe getting in your Bible every day, or, or whatever it is that God is, is dealing with you, that you are obeying Him. God will bless you to an extent but it is all tainted by the bitterness that, he, that you will not let go of. Or there is a, or, or it's, just, it's just music. That, you know, I know that, that this music I'm listening to is not honoring to God. I know that this music is, is stirring within me feelings and emotions that, I, that no Christian should have. I know that the lyrics of this song are, are not honoring to God. I know that, that it's, it's, if, God was, if Jesus was sitting here and we shared headphones, he wouldn't be happy about it. But it's my music, and I'm not giving it up, God. I'm keeping it. I'll do this over here, and I'll, I'll, I'll be faithful to you, but I will not give that up. I am telling you that you will not enjoy the blessings of following God here if you are actively rebelling against God over here. Judah had 100 plus cities, and they were following God. And all of it, all of it was tainted. Chapter 15 was amazing. So the very last verse. Just give it up. Just take care of the Jebusites. Do you want the blessings of God? Do you want to, do you want to live that life that God has for you? Do you want to live that joyful, victorious Christian life? Are you watching other people who are, who are surrendered fully to God, and you're watching God work in their life, and you're watching God bless their life, and you're watching the joy and the peace that comes in their life, and maybe you even find yourself a little bit jealous, saying, it's just not fair. Why do they get to live that way? Why do they get to enjoy the blessings of God? And it's like you see it, and it's like you're, you're reaching for it, and it's like you want it. But here's the problem. You will not let go of, of the Jebusites. You will not deal with what God's dealing with you with. And it's a frustrating life. And, you, and you're coming to God, and you're saying, God, I'm trying to serve you. And every time you do, this is not me doing this. This is God doing this. Yeah, thank you. I'm thankful that you're following me here. But what about the Jebusites?
What about the Jebusites? Why are we holding on to the Jebusites? Well, I just like it. Well, is, it, is that worth it? Is that worth giving up the potential that God has for your life? Yeah, you can continue down this road for generations and generations. You can live the rest of your life just frustrated. Trying and trying and trying and trying. But it's never gonna, you're never going to experience the joy and the peace and the fruit of the Spirit that are there until you surrender and are willing to give up Jebusites. You might say, no, I can't. That's what, it, that's what they said. I can't drive them out. I can't. That's a lie. Now, now I will say this. You can. You, I mean, you're, you're right that you can't on your own. You are not able. You can't give that up. You can't let go of the bitterness. You can't let go of that addiction. You can't, you can't change the way you think about this stuff. But, and I'm glad you recognize that. But here's the truth too. God can help you overcome that. God has promised to be a strength to you that way. God has promised that, that the Holy Spirit can give you the power to overcome those things. God can help you through. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be a fight. But you need to trust God. Caleb was 85. And Caleb was facing a lot harder battles than the Jebusites. But he didn't care about that. Because all Caleb cared about is, I want to follow God, whatever it takes. And the reason why, in the end, why they could not take care of the Jebusites is because they were not willing to follow God whatever it takes. And whatever this battle is that maybe you've dealt with for your entire life, and maybe you're like Judah was in Judges 19, it says, this isn't even Israel. This is the Jebusites' land. And you've just given it up. And you say, I will serve God in every other area of my life, but right here, it just is what it is. I can't overcome it. I'm just going to accept it. And you'll live a defeated life until David shows up and says, no, let's take care of the Jebusites. Ironically, the same David that took care of Goliath. Right? Well, what made David so different? This is the only thing. He believed God. Here's how David thought. He didn't think about what am I able to handle and what am I not able to handle. That was Saul's problem. That's why Saul would not face Goliath. Because Saul was a big dude and he can take out most people, but Goliath was a bigger dude. And Saul was good as long as he felt like he could handle it. But once he felt like his ability was lower than the opposition, he's like, I can't do it. David didn't think that way. He was a young shepherd boy. He fought with a sling. David didn't ask, okay, so what, what's his ability versus my ability? He wasn't thinking that. Here's all David cared about. What does God want? And if God wants me to take out Goliath, I'll go take out Goliath. And it didn't matter. And David said, you come at me with sword and shield and spear. I come to you in the power of the Lord. And he strung a, slung a little rock in that guy's head and took care of it, grabbed the guy's own sword, chopped his head off. Fantastic. Yeah, that's awesome. Why? Because David, David and Caleb and Othniel, here's how they thought. What does God want? That's their first question. What does God want? And if they were confident that God wanted it, then they were also confident that God would help them do it. That's where we need to get, church family. 
and, and we can, we can uh, ride the wave of our own ability for a while and think we've got this, and we might have a hundred cities taken care of. There's that one city that God says, you can't, this is going to be hard, you can't do this, but I'm asking you to. And if you would submit to me, I can help you deal with the Jebusites. God can help you. So just ask yourself this question. Does God want you to deal with that? Hey, does, does God want you to, to have that bitterness and that anxiety and that fear and that anger? Well, no. God wants you to deal with that. If God wants that, he can help you. Now, it's going to be a process, and, and it's going to take some time, and I'd be glad to walk with you through that and, and show you, based on the Word of God, how that God can help you through all these things. But you need to start with this premise. If God wants it done, he can do it through me. He can deal with that bitterness. He can deal with that, with that uh, vice that I have that I just can't seem to shake. But you're going to need to be willing to let him. Be willing to let him. And when you do, you'll be like David. You will be great. And and here's what it says. You'll go on. David went on and grew great. And the Lord God of hosts was with him. That can be your life. That can be your life. And, And David isn't more special than you. Here's the only difference. David trusted God and was willing to give God anything and trust Him. That can be you. Deal with the Jebusites. God, we come before you tonight humbled and thankful for your goodness to us. We're thankful, God, about your power. God, and there's some, there's some real struggles in this room, <clears throat> and they're not small, and we don't want to make light of those at all. Lord, it's, it's a difficult thing to give up some of these things. It's a difficult thing to trust you with that, Lord, in fact, on our own, it's, it's downright impossible for us to, to do some of these things you called us to. But God, we're thankful for your power and your ability to do that. I pray to help us to trust you tonight. Help us to know that your way is best. Help us to trust that if you want us to do this, it's the best thing for us. Help us to trust that if you want us to do this, then you'll give us the ability. But Lord, help us to deal with the Jebusites. Help us not to rationalize it away by other areas of our life, but to be fully surrendered to you. For that in Christ, I pray. Amen. Amen. Piano's already playing.